Thank you for coming. We'll continue our reading from Srila Jiva Goswami's Bhagavat Sandarbha. And at this stage in the Bhagavat Sandarbha, this section of the Bhagavat Sandarbha, actually 12 or 14 sections of the Bhagavat Sandarbha, he's going to explain what Vaikuntha is all about. What it is, and what it isn't, and what it means to attain that abode, and what it uh, what it doesn't mean to attain that abode. So he started out last week, and he explained that. Well, in the last Anacheda, for us it was last week. For him, it was five hundred years ago. It's, that's just a minor point. <laughs> There were nine different points that he brought up in the last Anucheda, and he covered in the last Anucheda the first of those nine points. And the first of those nine points was that no dualistic action, which is what we're accustomed to in the material realm, will gain entrance into the spiritual realm. There's no amount of dualistic, no amount of austerities, no amount of charity, no amount of scriptural study. There's no amount of, of dualistic action that will gain you entrance into that transcendental realm. That realm is attained only by the Lord's infinite mercy, His Swarup Shakti. That includes everything as far as the rules and regulations of Varnashram Dharma. The rules and regulations of Varnashram Dharma or for the betterment of human society. It's a handbook. How to exist in the material world and not get eaten alive. <laughs> it's basically the bottom line of Varnashram Dharma. You all have a propensity, your propensities are controlled by uh, the modes of material nature, you are attracted to certain modes based on prior activities and based on association and therefore I'm giving you a handbook that will help you uh, help you not suffer unreasonably due to involvement in the gunas of my external potency. So this is this is the this is the the basis of the Varnashram system. It's a rule book. It's a way to conduct our life, but it's it's not a sh it's not a bhakti book. It's not a bhakti. There's no bhakti regulations there. Oh, there's some worship of the deity, and there's giving in charity to the Brahmins, and there's things that one could take to be spiritual, but the objective for the most part is, is not spiritual. There's underlying spirituality that, that Krishna's put in there. It gets us, gets us to thinking. Gets us to, well, if I can worship the demigods and they can give me all this, through karma conda section of the Vedas, 
what's the Lord all about? What could he give me? And, well, what he can give you is far all that and much more, but it takes a long time. And the demigods are easily pleased, quickly pleased. Of course, they're quickly displeased, but that's put on the back pages of the book back side of the page on the front side oh look you can give in charity and you can go to heaven on the back side oh and if you offend a Brahmin you can go to hell But <laughs> so no amount Jeeva's saying here and he's, he pointed out through various uh, references from the Bhagavatam and I think some Puranas were there also that no amount or no quality, no quantity, no quality, nothing to do with dualistic action. And what do we mean when we mean dualistic to us? Result-oriented actions. Actions in this world are result-oriented. We perform acts here for a result. We perform bhakti for bhakti's sake. Bhakti is simply... Now, in the beginning... We may want to approach bhakti because we heard there's some good result. We get to go to, to Vraj and frolic with Krishna and the cowherd boys and, and watch the gopis, uh, you know, uh, and, and see the loving affairs of, of, of the Lord and all his associates, and that may be attractive. But that attraction is truly on the spiritual platform. And the devotee, he doesn't care. It would be nice, wouldn't it be nice, you know, to be with Krishna and to be with all the, the residents of Raj, but it's not truly, it's not an objective. The objective is to please Krishna. And, welcome. All right, rewind. We'll repeat a couple things, and then we'll go on. So we're in the section of the Bhagavat Sandarbha dealing with the nature of Vaikuntha. We've just begun this section. And Srila Jiva Goswami, in his 61st Anucheta, which is a section of the Bhagavat Sandarbha, has explained that, that there's, there's nine items that need to be understood when we talk about Vaikuntha. And in this first Anucheta, he talks about the first of those nine items. He gives the full nine items and then he discussed the first one. And the first one was, you can't get there by any kind of dualistic action. And then he elaborates on that and points out specifically that means any kind of karma kanda any kind of action. The whole Varnashram system is not going to get you in Vaikuntha. So now we're going on to the 62nd Anucheta. And as we explained last week, in some detail, uh, this presentation of the Sandarbhas has been written and commented upon by, translated into English and commented upon by Sachin Das. And Sachin Narayan is very, very 
detailed in his explanation of these 14 Anuchetas dealing with no one falls for Baikuntha, mm -hmm. and for good reason. We went into that reason in the last class. We, we will not repeat it tonight. It was so. We're going to go through this 62nd Anucheta. When we get to the 63rd Anucheta, which I'm starting to prepare notes for, he wrote a commentary which exceeds 50 pages. So he has a point to make. And he wants to m let everybody know that there can be no reasonable doubt whatsoever. No one falls from Vaikuntha. So, the 62nd Anucheta. Vaikuntha is beyond the material world. I'll read a little bit of the Anucheta. Um, first, an explanation. Jiva Goswami now explains that Vaikuntha is beyond the visible or manifest world. Prapancha, beyond even Sri Brahma's realm, Satyaloka, which is considered to be the topmost planet in the universe. From the verse quoted in this section, and remember, Jiva Goswami, he uses primarily verses from the Bhagavatam as praman or evidence to, to satisfy or to support his the, the points of tatma, tatva that he's making that make up uh, our Sampradaya's spiritual understanding. And specifically, uh, what constitute the firm ground of Sambandagyan, which is one of the three legs that we we stand upon in spiritual Sambanda, Abhideya, and Prayojan. So we have to have a firm grounding in Sambandagyan. Does it mean you need to be an intellectual? No. It means you never need, you never want to give up hearing. If you can study books, fine. Study the books, read the books but never give up hearing, whether from the book or the sadhu, guru. Hearing is the basis in good association. So now this anacheta, what's, what's the point here? That it can't, it can't be reached by any dualistic action, and it's beyond any description that we hear in the scriptures of the abodes of Brahma, and even Lord Shiva, even the, the planets above the the material realm, what we consider, uh, you know, Om Bor Bhuva Swa, the earthly realm, realm of action, uh, uh, Bhuva Loka, a little above that, Swa, the spiritual. Realm. Then above that we have um, Mahaloka, Janaloka, Tapaloka, Mahaloka, Janaloka, Tapaloka, Satyaloka. A couple spiritual planets in there, but they're not part of the material realm. So the point being made is Vaikuntha is beyond all those. And your attainment of any of those one abodes, even the topmost one, Satyaloka, is not, does not guarantee entrance into 
the spiritual realm into Vaikuntha. Of course, Satya Loka is about as close as you can get. And as we explained last class, those that make Satya Loka, that attain that abode, end up in the best of association of the devotees within a material universe. This is Brahma's abode. Brahma's what? He's he's perfect with all the Varnashram stuff. He had to do that at least a hundred years at absolute perfection and that made him Brahma. And then from that position he was able to do this service for Krishna. He had a desire to do this service and the Lord fulfilled his desire. So from that realm when the universe wraps up by that time all the admini- all the great yogis the great administrators of material affairs on the Lord's behalf uh, who obtained Satya Loka in Brahma's association in the Sangha of a devotee like Brahma they also get to depart the material world and enter Vaikuntha but we're not there yet Jiva's not there in the discussion so here we have a bit of a discourse between Rudra or Shiva, and the Prachetas uh, from the fourth canto, which Jiva is using as his evidence regarding the nature of the Vaikuntha realm and the nature of his realm. He's boasting a little here. He has a nice place. A person scrupulously devoted to his occupational duty for 100 births becomes eligible to occupy the post of Brahma. He's telling this to the Prachetas. You want to be Brahma? Okay. Got to be perfect, 100 years. And if he becomes even more, yet more qualified, more qualified than Brahma. Now, if you look at material affairs, I mean, that's like, that's, that's the topmost position, Brahma. He's got it right for 100 years, no fall down for a hundred years, perfectly executed all the rules and regulations of materialistic life as put forth in the Vedas for a hundred years. hundred births. Lots of years. hundred births becomes even... Okay. Becomes eligible for Bra- to be Brahma and if he becomes yet more qualified he can attain me. That's what Shiva is saying to the Prachetas. And if they're more qualified than, than a Brahma, if you're more qualified than that, you can attain me. And then he goes on, though. A worshiper of the com- complete whole Bhagavan, however, is immediately promoted. No time involved. Relatively, in comparison to a hundred births of perfection. A worshipper of the complete whole Bhagavan, however, is immediately promoted to the abode of the complete, Vaishnavam Padam, which is free from all divisions or modifications of Yakrita, just as the other gods and I go there after the destruction of our subtle bodies. 
Jiva Goswami goes on in his Sandarbha. If one has a great deal more piety than needed to attain the post of Brahma, a great deal more than a Brahma, a pretty pious person then, he attains my world, but a worshipper of the complete whole Bhagavan, after giving up his body, attains the abode of the complete Sri Vishnu, who is known as Vaikuntha. It is beyond the manifested cosmos and free of all modifications of Yakrita, just as those mentioned in the famous Shruti statement, I shall bring into manifestation Vyakrita, the divisions and modifications of name and form. This is from the Chandogya Upanishad. What's being said here, that the manifest world is is full of divisions and modifications. Vyakrita. It's full of that. The Vaikuntha world has none of that. So that's why Jiva Goswami is quoting this verse. Understand the distinction between the two worlds. Everything in the material realm is broken up and analyzed according to according to the modes of material nature and their influence on every single thing. From the Vedanta Sutra, Rudra speaking, Just as I, Rudra, Rudra, exist as an office bearer, this is an interesting point, you like this, so do the other Devas. So we have, play, we have, we have posts to fill. We, we have a position, we have a service in the material world. At the end of our appointed duration, in other words, when we get kicked out of office, And when our subtle bodies are destroyed, we go to that place in accordance with the principles stated in Brahma Sutra. The office holders remain in this world until their tenure is completed. So the, what's being said here is those, not everyone, but they certainly have done enough service for Krishna and he's so appreciative of that service that if they're able to clear their parabdha karma and to clear their subtle bodies, in other words, they've done it all. They've managed the material world and they've, they've seen it all and they have knowledge. They didn't get the job by chance. It wasn't like an errant election and then just some <laughs> fool, you know, became, you know, uh, the god of the winds or the god of the seas, you know. It, it doesn't, it didn't happen like that. Um, it was uh, done with some great forethought and, uh, and bearing on the character of the person involved. A little more from the Vedanta Sutra. So that's a good thing. If you if you really want to be a demigod, if you really you just can't 
you can't do the devotional thing, I would recommend first you stay with the devotees longer and hear more because really the, the demigods don't have it that well off. We may think when we read, oh, this is great. Look, here's Indra. Look at all these surrounded by beautiful damsels everywhere he goes. Yeah, what, what happens to him? Just think, the pastimes. His lust gets the better of him, and all of a sudden uh, he doesn't look as good as he used to. <laughs> then he looks really weird because he has eyes all over his body. So it, it, it may sound like a good job, but there's a lot involved. And understand that even in those high posts within the material universe's administration, you still have to deal with. The, the Brahminical class, those that are situated in the mode of goodness. And the, they're, they're sometimes pretty demanding. And uh, if you get it a little wrong, uh, they can get upset. And their power is more powerful than your power as an administrator. And there's so many so many stories in the Bhagavad to bring out this point and to bring out some spiritual under under uh, under story in that that we do well to learn the true meaning of what's happening in these pastimes. So when the point is made here in the Korma Purana just to confirm it Again, evidence, evidence, evidence. When Brahma's tenure is over and the great dissolution occurs, all perfected beings enter the abode of the Lord along with Brahma. So, job well done. And they're perfect. perfect, And they have by that time given up all attachment to material life. Their subtle body is no longer affecting them. And then they can enter Vaikuntha. And in my age, there was a song. It was called, Take the Long Way Home. <laughs> you don't want to do that. Yes, you can become a demigod, and yes, you can take the long way home. But there could be so many pitfalls along the way. And what the real point being made here is, don't do that. For the devotees, they don't have to wait until Brahma wraps up a universe. We can hardly calculate a day of Brahma's time. What about of a lifetime of Brahma? A year, a month? We can, how do you calculate a day? It's, it's billions, billion. What is it, eight billion? Well, eight, yes, sleeping and awake altogether. Now we come to the next Anucheta, and we are going to be here for a while, so uh, buckle up. We won't be able to make it all the way tonight. I don't know. We'll finish up on Saturday, and I'll see you in a month and a half. <laughs> we'll, ta we'll take it back up again. Vaikuntha is beyond the material realm. That was what we just came for. So Vaikuntha is not attained by any dualistic action. Vaikuntha is beyond the material realm, even Brahma Loka and even Rudra's Loka. 
beyond that. Now, if you want more details on Rudra's loka, there's there's more details. It seems that it's it's almost in the spiritual realm. Uh, you can lead, read the second half of the Brihat Bhagavatamrita. Gopakumar goes through all these different realms, starting with the earthly realm, uh, Mandala and and all the way up. So I believe, if I remember correctly, he enters Shiva's realm after going through the material elements. So the shell of the universe, he speaks about the joyfulness in the shell of the universe, and then he enters into Shiva's realm. So it's it's right on, it's almost there in the spiritual realm. Of course, Shiva's almost Krishna, so it's a, he's, he's a difficult one to understand for us. Anacheta 63 Beyond a shadow of a doubt no question whatsoever no one falls from Vaikuntha Jiva? Absolutely He says Tuto Skalanam No one falls from that abode Jiva Goswami begins, and Jiva Goswami himself writes pretty extensively on uh, the Anuchet itself is itself very long. Um, but for some reason, the translator did not take the, uh, the, the position he has in other Anuchetas to break it down into subsections and then comment on it. He's given the whole English translation of Jiva Goswami's Anucheda, and then he's given a very extensive commentary of his own, referring back to it and elaborating on every other possible evidence that he can to make sure we understand the point. This commentary alone would refute any other papers that have been prepared to the contrary for all people <laughs> that I would not consider someone that would argue with the logic of Jiva Goswami a reasonable person myself Sri Kapila Dev says in the third canto 25th chapter thereafter they do not hanker after any opulence stored for them by my maya nor for the eight ensuing mystic paranormal powers, nor even for the transcendental glory of God. And yet, these benign gifts become effortlessly available to them in my supreme abode. Jiva Goswami proceeds to give a very detailed analysis of this one sloka by Lord Kapila Dave as a foundational understanding which he'll build upon as he begins to uh, explain his main point. 
So the word atah thereafter means after the removal of ignorance. So he's basically it's a word for word analysis of the verse by Lord Kapila. Atho vibhutim mamamaya vinastam ashvaryam astangam anu pravritam shriyam bhagavatim vasprihayanti badram parashyame ti shnudvate tuloke. The word ata thereafter, the first word of the verse, ato, ato, vibhutam. Vibhutim, the term by my maya, mama mayaya, means by my mercy upon the devotee. Achita, stored, means made manifest or available for the sake of those devotees. Vibhuti opulence refers to paraphernalia. And on and on we go with Jiva Goswami's detailed word by word translation transliteration in prose. And we notice this practice of presenting the transliteration in prose is very much there in the commentaries which Jiva Goswami has presented as Praman earlier up to this point in the Sundarbhas it's a methodol- methodology used by the great commentator Sridhar Swami. In fact, you would probably find little difference between the way Jiva Goswami's presented this transliteration in prose from what would be done by Sridhar Swami. Sometimes he quotes Sridhar Swami, sometimes he does it himself. And we notice that same carrying through to Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur in his commentary on the Bhagavad. you notice sometimes in some of the commentaries uh, there'll be one word, little, little sentence, another word, little sentence, another word, little sentence, and I'm ready to fall back asleep. Um, you know, I like it when he just writes philosophy. That's just my taste. But he does that quite well in most of his commentary. But he also, they all exemplify the glory of Sanskrit language and the, and the glory of the verses that contain, you know, the Siddhanta of our Sampradaya. These verses we find more and more as we, as we progress in the Sundarbhas, how much information is in one verse? We didn't even, you know, you, you read it casually and you didn't even catch it. And then all of you said, my gosh, Mother Yuseta was saying all that? I never knew that. Or, or uh, you know, Mother Devaki. Jiva Goswami does that repeatedly. This Bhagavat Purana is spotless. And it contains absolutely everything. And a, a deep realized commentary can bring everything out. And that's why everybody showed up 
when Sukadev Goswami sat down to speak. Here was somebody that had no background in material affairs. He was young and he was fully competent and totally self-realized. And then he, his heart melted from hearing a couple verses. Well, if somebody like that can have that kind of an epiphany about the Bhagavad, we need to hear, hear what he had to say about that. And they all showed up. Here's the author of the Bhagavatam. Here's Narada Muni. Here's, here's all the great sages coming to hear Sukadeva Goswami. So we could imagine the uh, uh, what Sangha was that. So he goes through word by word and brings out the meaning. So the verse is the point of the verse without going into it word by word is is there. It's easy to understand for us. You can sit on the couch. You have to break your knees here. Yeah, on the couch you can sit. We have chairs. You don't have to suffer. Can you imagine sitting for an hour and a half to Swami's class with your knees aching? Yeah, don't yeah, do I that. Don't, <laughs> don't do that. It's not good at this age. Would be my recommendation. You, of course, are free to do as you like. I'll tell your wife to tell you. So we'll finish up with this point. The devotees don't want any of this, any of this material opulence, any of this elevation of the higher planets, the true devotees, the pure devotees. But Krishna's, Krishna doesn't neglect giving them all of this. Otherwise, how can he really make the point that devotion to me is, is everything? So they do become perfectly adept in all the cities, but they never use it. It's like, it's like money in the bank, but what's a billionaire need that, you know, $500,000 worth of gold that's in some old safe? There's no need for it. There's no need for it. There's no need to have all this. So thereafter, they do not hanker. The devotees do not hanker. They do not want any of this because it represents everything that they don't want. They don't want a position in heaven. They don't want to be able to control other people. They don't want to see people as different from, even seeing somebody different from themselves is, is something that's distasteful to a devotee. He doesn't want to see any distinction. So what about controlling people and, and uh, you know, or managing material affairs, having the material energy bow down to him? He's not interested in all these cities. So that's what Kapila is saying. But... These eight ensuing paranormal powers 
uh, even when they could possibly use it in their devotional service, Kapila's saying, even when there might be a chance they could use it for the betterment of devotional practice, they generally, for the most part, think better of it. They think better of it. Well, better, better I show by my example that don't take advantage of all the gifts Krishna gives you. Especially the material ones, the ones that can lead. I mean, they're not material because it came from Krishna. And, you know, we can get into a whole philosophical discussion there. But we don't take those gifts from Krishna unless it can really enhance our, our do a, enhance an opportunity we have to do a specific service. So, not even for the transcendental glory of God is what Kapila Dave's saying. They don't even use them. Um, anu pravrita. And yet these benign gifts become effortlessly available to them in my supreme abode. Well, you can't avoid them there. It's part of your swarup. There's no difference to speak of. Well, he does have a little hair here. But there's, I think, a gem here. But really it's just just the Lakshmi on his chest. You cannot you you were not able to distinguish as far as the power and the beauty uh, and that's going to come out also as we go deeper into the Sanucheda uh, that so Kapila's saying he, he's, he's speaking here and he's saying they don't want them in the material world but they can't they can't avoid them in the material world because they do become part of their Swarup Shakti. Right. You just said material That's okay. I need all the correcting I can get. This shows the Lord's special affection for his devotees, which is also exemplified in the benediction given to Shrudam, I'm sorry, Sudam, the florist in Mathura. Sudam entreated the Lord that he may be blessed with unflinching devotion for him, the self of all existence. This is from the 41st, 41st chapter of the 10th canto. With heartfelt friendship towards his devotees and with the broadest and highest compassion for all living beings. This is the... This is the the, the true exemplar of, of a prayer by a devotee. This is what I really want. I want to be fully devoted to you and I want to have friendship with the devotees and I do not want to see myself as distinct from any other living entity. That's what I want. You ask me what I want, that's it. The Lord not only granted his Sudama this, all these, but also awarded him ever-increasing prosperity for his family 
as well as strength, longevity, fame, and beauty. Kapila Dave indicates that all opulences, including those of the highest realm like Brahma Loka, are fully available to such devotees as experiential possibilities, yet they make no use of them, considering them completely devoid of significance or substantiality and thus unsuitable for their use. We'll begin the next discussion with a doubt. I'll put it in your minds now and then we'll see how it's resolved. If Vaikuntha is just another planet, Loka, undistinguished from any from other planets like Siddhaloka and so on, then sooner or later the experiencer's enjoyment for this realm will come to an end. In other words, you're going to get tired of it. I'll stop there for this evening. Are there any questions? Is this the Bhagavad's in Darwin? Yes. Yes. And we're just breaking through to the second half. It's just really amazing to me that um, certain personality could translate the Sandarbas and not, not um, come to the conclusion that we didn't fall. Yes, and as we explained in our last discussion, then where did where did that seed come from? Now, of course, the seeds of misconception are there. We call those uh, anarthas. They're misplaced values. And what was the misplaced value that that brought about this misconception? The misplaced value is not understanding and being able to distinguish between the level of evidential value of different praman. So the praman, and we, we ended that whole discussion with one statement from my spiritual master who started the whole misconception himself with different, he was taking in Krishna consciousness into a whole new culture. I do not profess to understand what the consciousness is of my spiritual master. And we never do try to understand the motivations. But we have to reconcile such, mis such conceptions that are put forth. So we don't question the motives. I can give you some of my sentiment but it would just be sentiment. It could be right or wrong. You don't know the mind of the spiritual master. Uh, but you know that the spiritual master is part, he has to fit into the whole picture. Guru, Sadhu, and Shastra. He's not independent. So he planted the seed. And why he planted the seed? Who am I to say? But he was preaching in a whole new culture and no one left had left India to spread pure, unalloyed devotional service in a culture saturated with Christianity. So that may have had something to do with it. If you want to contemplate it in that light, you may have some, some understanding. <clears throat>
some but all of the discussion ended with Prabhupada said, Prabhupada said, everything is in my books. So Prabhupada did say things in conversations with different devotees who were in different time, places, and circumstances. He did write letters in the beginning, which is where we will find primarily these things, because we don't find them in the later letters when the letters became public information. When Prabhupada found out that he was writing a letter and everybody in the society had it meant by teletype the next day, he was... Oh, really? So you all want... Well, I have to be a little careful. I was writing for Bhakti Joe over there who's got trouble with lust and really the sannyasis are reading the letter. That's not going to do them any good. Uh, So he had to go back. It's just like if you want to really listen to nectarine lectures by His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, make them 60, stop at 70. Well, stop at 69. The lectures from C.C. that he gave from 65 to 69 that were recorded are just, they're like, wow. But then in 70 he recognized this is becoming broad-based. Somebody's got something in mind here. I wasn't expecting this at all. This is exploding. And therefore, the whole mood of his presentation changed. So, we find a lot of these, this conception of you, you were with Krishna and you left and you, 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 know, you developed some... Envy. Envy's the word, yeah. Uh, we find this, uh, you know falling from Vaikuntha coming in the uh, in that period uh, from the letters and we find it in conversations to some extent but the rampant misapplication of what Prabhupada said without thoughtful consideration and contemplation within the community of his disciples became out of control he shut down his GBC for a time. He said no more sannyasis at another time. He had, he was, it was like, wow, this is really something here, this Western world. You know, make me dance, but I didn't know I'd have to do a jig. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) But Prabhupada, one point, everything's in my books. And in the books where this is, where this is specifically dealt with, Prabhupada says emphatically, it is a, fact, no one falls from Vaikuntha. How did we get there? Because Arjun has said that somebody translated the, the Bhagavad Sambhava that did not come up with that conclusion. Yeah, so anyway, that's called a, that we call it Anartha. Anarthas are there. But when we let Anarthas become Aparads and we chase devotees away because our Anartha, our misconception, and we can't reconcile it and we're not willing to listen uh, you know, to reasonable, reasonable arguments, especially when they're coming from somebody like Jiva Goswami, then you have an Anartha transforming into an Aparad and then it becomes, it becomes a problem. Don't let that happen. Any questions? More? discussion. 
Thank you so much for your association.